0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawlahi amma ba'd assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh wa alaykum assalam how's everybody doing alhamdulillah so today insha ta'ala we are continuing with arba'in an nawi we have reached hadith number 31 uh, this is on the authority of sahl ibn sa'ad as-sa'idi radiyallahu ta'ala anhu who said Atan an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam rajul Ya Rasulullah Dullanee <inaudible> Ala Amalin Idha Ana Amilthuhu Ahabba Allah Wa Ahabba Niya Annaas Faqala Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Izhadh Fiddunya Yuhibba Allah Wazhadh Fima Aydin Nas Yuhibbuka So this is a uh, narration that is found in Ibn Majah There is discussion about the strength of this narration It seems that Al-Albani did consider it Rahimullah Authentic at the same time, though, there are a number of scholars that analyzed, I think, more than five different turq, different chains of narration. And in each one, they said this one is weak, this one is weak. And so ultimately, there is weakness in it. So <clears throat> basically, there is discussion about uh, how authentic the wording is. We can't say uh, with, with with full, full certainty. Uh, however, Alhamdulillah, the good thing is that the wording of it, the metan, the, the text itself, is not really um, something that is, uh, 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 let's say, con- contentious or that it contradicts anything. Really, it's just encouragement towards something that we already know which is good, which is zuhud. So, Alhamdulillah, we can still take a look at it as long as we understand that there is some weakness in the chain. So, what is the meaning of the hadith? That a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, O Messenger of Allah, show me a deed which, if I do it, Allah will love me and the people will love me and then the Prophet said be indifferent to this world and Allah will love you be indifferent to what is in people's hands and they will love you so now the key word the operative term right here that really needs a lot of attention is the word izhad or wazhad what does zuhud mean? What is it to be a Zahid? How can we all become Zuhad or Zahidun? So this is the question, uh, this, this, this root letter of uh, zay Ha, and dal. What is it representing? Um, well, first and foremost, we should talk about what it doesn't represent uh, because there are certain terms it gets translated to. Sometimes it gets translated as asceticism. It could also be translated as stoicism. And both of these ideas are quite close to the concept of zuhud. But f- so first, let's just explore those two terms, and then we're going to get into zuhud itself in shalatana. So the term asceticism in English means what? It means to rid oneself of worldly pleasures focusing on thinking, particularly for religious or spiritual purposes. So an ascetic, somebody who practices asceticism, is somebody who gets rid of all type of worldly pleasures and just focuses on spirituality. He doesn't want to indulge in worldly pleasures. That is the objective of uh, asceticism. Another definition is uh, severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence, typically for religious reasons. This is what asceticism is. Now, does this represent zuhud? Not necessarily. It's close, but not necessarily. Because this is closer to Rahbaniya. Rahbaniya is something which means like monasticism and asceticism. This idea of becoming a monk and completely detaching from the dunya, living in like a cave, and just cu- cutting yourself off from any sort of you know, uh, marriage or even good food, like you just live off of the very basics. This is something that Allah Ta'ala actually criticizes in the Quran, when Allah Ta'ala says, uh Warahbani Tanibi Tanibita Ruha Maketa Bana Maketa Banaha Alehim Il Lebatiha A Redwanila Famara Auha Hari Hayatiha Faten Lavina Amenuminhum Ajarahum Wakati Ruminhum Fasibun. Allah says and monasticism which they invent, uh, innovated or invented We did not prescribe it for them, except that they did so seeking by Allah's approval, but they did not observe it with due observance. And so this ayah is talking about the Christians. Some of them, they took this idea of getting rid of the dunya, getting rid of any sort of worldly pleasure, they took it to an extreme, and they adopted this or uh, uh, extreme asceticism or monasticism. Now, stoicism is another concept which basically is defined as the endurance of pain or hardship without the display of feelings or complaint. Again, it's kind of similar in nature. To be a Stoic, this is what the Greeks, they invented. So you see that in different cultures, you know, the Christians had one attempt at monasticism, and then you have the Greeks that are inventing Stoicism, and all of them are sort of revolving around this concept, very close to the concept of zuhud. So it's really quite fascinating. So Stoicism, I actually just finished reading a book on Stoicism, uh, which was uh, really interesting to me. It was called The Obstacle is the Way. The Obstacle is the Way by uh, Ryan Holiday. It was actually quite a good book. I actually recommend it. And it's just talking about uh, being a person who is not emotionally affected by good or bad. You just keep going towards your goals and you're not somebody who is so emotionally uh, you know, swayed by either good or bad news. You just keep stay focused and you learn to control your emotions and see problems for what they are. Not that they're so big that they're gonna defeat you, etc. cetera, you have to really put things into context. So. Now, this reminds me of, uh, in the Western context, there's something that's very popularly known as the serenity prayer. The serenity prayer is very famously, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It's a very, very beautiful and very popular uh, prayer that you'll find in people's, you know, like in their homes and stuff. They'll have like a poster with the serenity prayer on the wall. And it's a beautiful concept. And uh, so, so these ideas are very popular in the Western world. Uh, you know asceticism, or, or I should say that they 're well known asceticism and stoicism, but do they accurately represent Zuhud particularly because the Prophet is telling us is is saying what become a zahid so what is Zuhud particularly now that we have a general idea of other ideologies that are kind of close to it, but what is Zuhud specifically? Zuhud means that you 're content with little but not because you have low standards rather it 's the opposite. you have such high standards that running after short-lived material possessions is a waste of your time. You want to have an impact on this world, you have great plans to make this world better, not for the sake of vanity, but rather for the sake of the worship of Allah, to connect with Allah Ta'ala. It is the opposite of materialism, but it doesn't mean that you don't have wealth. What it means is what? That maybe you have wealth or maybe you don't, but it doesn't affect you either way. Because wealth is not the goal, and wealth is not, in your ha- is, is not in your heart. It is something that, you know, if it comes, it comes. If it's not there, it's not there. But at the end of the day, money's not the factor. My goal is the akhira. That's what I care about. I don't care about worldly pleasures. It's a waste of time. I mean, yeah, sure, of course, we're all human beings. We, we're all going to have some sort of entertainment and fun and so forth and go on holidays. I'm not saying you have to be to the extreme. But you're not overly indulging in these things because they don't mean much to you. They're not that impressive to you because the dunya you know is nothing compared to the Akhirah. And it's also very important to remember that there were very monks, there were, there were, there were amongst the Sahaba some that were actually quite wealthy. Abu Bakr عنه, was wealthy. Rahman ibn Athan, Rahman ibn Awf, Talha, Zubair, etc. May Allah be pleased with them all. These Sahaba and many others were actually considered rich, but at the same time they were considered Zuhad, people of zuhud, people of... Uh, I'll just leave it as Zuhad, I'm not going to translate it. So, Ibn Al-Qaym has a very nice definition. He says, مَتَا الْمَالُ فِي وَلَيْسَ في قلبك so he says, as long as wealth is in your hand and not in your heart, it will not harm you even if the amount is great. But when it is in your heart, it will harm you even if you don't even possess any of it. Some people are so materialistic, they don't even have money. They, they're, they're obsessed with money, they don't even have it. And other people, they have lots of money, but they're not obsessed with it. They just say, Yeah, I mean, I'm wealthy, but I, I, this, is, this is just dunya. It's just money. It comes and goes. No problem. So he's saying, As long as it's not in your heart, it could be a lot in your hand or not in your hand, but you don't care either way. This is zuhud. And then he says, Is it possible that a man is considered a zahid and he has a thousand uh, dinar? أَلَّا يَفْرَحَ إِذَا زَادَتْ وَلَا يَحْزَنَ إِذَا نَقَصَتْ He says, yes, a rich man can be considered a zahid if on one condition. What's the condition? If it goes up, it doesn't really affect him. He doesn't doesn't become super ecstatic. Okay, it went up, great, I became more wealthy. And if he loses money, it doesn't harm him either way. He doesn't feel affected by it. Why? It goes up, it goes down, it's in the hands of Allah. I know that Allah is gonna do whatever he wills and I accept Allah's decree what's in my hand what's not in my hand i'm okay with it as long as your heart is not attached to it your your heart is not going up and down every time i don't know let's say the stock market is going up and down you're not you know some people they're on their phones all day oh my god like you see their palpitations they can't stop right subhanallah your heart is so attached to this dunya that they can't even have a proper conversation without checking every second this is not healthy at all so The question is, what makes us materialistic? Uh, Well, materialism results from what? Low self-esteem and high media consumption and a lack of intrinsic values. These are the three main things that will cause somebody to be materialistic. What do I mean by that? If you have low self-esteem, then you want to buy your self-esteem. I don't feel like I have much self-esteem. Maybe if I wear this shirt, maybe if I get the right... I don't know, fancy chain or the fancy watch or I fancy this or fancy, maybe if I do something, then I can buy my self-esteem. This goes to show that you have a lack of it and you think it can be bought. And there's a nice quote that says, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people who don't care. <laughs> I love that quote. So it's a very, very powerful quote and it's very true that subhanAllah, many people, they do buy things they don't need just to impress people who don't care with money they don't even have, they go into debt. So may Allah protect us. And intrinsic, when you, when you are consuming media a lot and you're always seeing images of advertisement, it's going to have an effect on your mind and you're going to think this is where success, success lies. And furthermore, lack of intrinsic values, if you don't believe something, something strong, something that, that gives you core values, then subhanAllah, it's easy that shaitan plays with you We all know the very famous quote from Malcolm X. He said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I definitely think this is true when it comes to materialism. You don't stand for something, you don't have core intrinsic values. Therefore, when somebody says, buy this, and it'll complete you. Buy this, and you'll be the best version of yourself. My product is going to make you you. It's going to make you the real version of you. Oh, well, finally, I need to be me. If I'm not me, I'm going to be lost. I need to buy that product. This is very weak minded people and people that uh, have a lack of intrinsic value. They don't realize that Allah says, (laughs) that Allah is the one that honors you. He created you and therefore you are honored through that. Uh, And SubhanAllah, we see this all the time. You know, people feel like the way they are isn't enough. So if if I don't have any intrinsic value from Allah Ta'ala, then what I am is never enough. So I need to change it with makeup or tattoos or rings or piercings or implants or plastic surgery or something. I need to add my value to myself to make myself valuable. This is uh, uh, very, very dangerous. We should have intrinsic values like iman. So to get to the hadith more particularly, the hadith is the, 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 the rajul, the man who attended Nabi wasallam, the man who came to the Prophet wasallam. what did he say? He says, how do I get Allah to love me? And he says, what? Don't, you know, have zuhud. Don't feel this obsession for this dunya. Why is this the case? Because you're supposed to remember as an abd of Allah, as a slave of Allah. You weren't made for this world the world was made for you. You're not meant to serve this world, this world is meant to serve you. But this world is only going to serve you when you use, when you use this world to serve Allah It's amazing that human beings end up worshiping the makhluq when they should be worshiping the khaliq. We as human beings, we shouldn't be worshiping the creation, we should be worshiping the creator. When we worship the creator, then the creation is gonna serve us, inshallah ta'ala. That's the attitude the believer has. And so yes, it's saying, be indifferent to this world, have zuhud, because you know it serves you, not vice versa. And then Allah will love you. Why? Because you serve Him and you don't ser- serve the creation. And then the question of, how do I get people to love me? And he says, Izhad Like, have zuhud, be indifferent to what is in the ha- people, uh, hands of the people. I'm sure we've all experienced this. I'm sure each and every single one of us has been in a situation where subhanAllah, someone seems a little too curious inappropriately curious or interested in our possessions. Hey, uh, brother, is that, a, is that a new phone? You know, what type of phone is that? Is that, is that, the, is that the, the newest, latest one? How much did, how much did it cost? Oh, really, when did you get it? Where'd you get it? Oh yeah, did you get a deal? you paid full price, really? And you're like, look, man, I'm getting a little uncomfortable here. You seem just a little too curious about my, you know, my car, my laptop, my, my, you know, this happens. People are, and it makes people very uncomfortable. And the Prophet the Prophet him, is telling us what? Enough of this. Let go. Have zuhud. Be indifferent towards the possessions of people. Why? Because the less you care about their possessions, the more you care about the person themselves. Right? You're not checking out and saying, is that a new uh, shirt or is that a new, uh, what is that? How much did you get that for? Instead of being so awkwardly curious about their personal matters, and instead of constantly evaluating them based on their material uh, uh, value or, 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 or you know, wealth, instead you're saying, how are you? It's good to see you. Are you okay? Is everything all right? I care about you, the person. What you're wearing? Yeah, you've got a nice shirt on, I don't care. That's not, that's not, you know, it's nice. I'm, oh, congratulations, you got a new car? Great, but I want to see you. I like you. I like your attitude, what you bring as a human being. That's what I value. When you're around people like this, you fall in love with people like this, right? Everybody knows this. When you're around people that are a little too curious about your personal business, you just get cagey, you know, you get like sort of back off, it's annoying. So, this is beautiful advice from the Prophet I'm saying what? Don't care about this dunya. Don't care about what people possess. Don't, I mean, I, I remember back when I was living in Malaysia, I remember one time I invited a brother. I was like, yeah, yeah I just got to grab something from my apartment. <laughs> just give me a second and, you know, just come in. And the guy comes in he's just checking at everything. <laughs> he just, and then he literally went to up to a room and opened the door and just kind of looked around. And I was like, do you want to go to the other rooms too? What do you want to, do you want to go open each door? And he's, he, uh, you know, oh no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was like, what are you doing, man? This is so weird. Why, why are you like, what are you doing? You're like, you're, you're scoping out my entire place, like so bizarre, why would you do that? And so it, it was, it was it, you know, when people do that, it immediately shows that they're trying to evaluate you based on a monetary means. But when I call them out and inshallah, he, uh, hopefully he won't do that again. He was a young guy, it's okay. So, um, yes. Uh, then the question is, what is the result of having zuhd? SubhanAllah, when you don't care about the monetary value that comes to you when you work hard, you just care about working hard, you become extremely successful. SubhanAllah, you always find that some people, they work a little bit hard, they gain some success and they get completely thrown off track. Why, because they, I mean, you know, you hear about this ha- happening with uh, athletes. It happens with athletes a lot. An athlete gets very good, they throw a lot of money at him and then SubhanAllah, the next season, he's just horrible at the game. Why, what happened? Too much partying, too much just having fun. He wasn't able to stay focused, right? The, the money affected him too much. This happens with athletes all the time. Versus other athletes, you could throw, you could dump truckloads of money on them. They're like, look man, I'm focused on the game, you know? The money's not going to distract me. So, this is what the Prophet is telling you. Have zuhud. Have this quality where money comes, money goes. I am focused on the goal, hard work, and discipline, and I break the spell of distractions. The Prophet says, What? بين عينيه ولم يأتي من الدنيا إلا ما كتب له ومن كانت... ومن كانت الآخرة نيته جمع الله له أمره وجعل غيناه في قلبه وأتته الدنيا وهي راغمة. Beautiful hadith. This is mentioned in Sunan uh, Ibn Majah and it's also authentic hadith as well. Whoever is focused on this world, Allah will confound his affairs and make him fear poverty constantly and he will not get anything of this world except what has been written for him. But whoever focuses on the afterlife, Allah will set his affairs straight for him and make him feel content with his lot, with, with his provisions. And his provisions uh, 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 and worldly gains will undoubtedly, will undoubtedly come to him. So in other words, the more you're obsessed with dunya, you'll just be nervous, paranoid, and you're only going to see the negative. The, cla- the glass is always going to be half empty. Why? Because everything I don't have, I can always have more. I'm always looking to people who are richer than me. If I have a million dollars, why am I not, if I'm a millionaire, why am I not a billionaire? You know, you, you never feel satisfied. Whereas the person who is thinking about Allah Ta'ala, whatever he has, he's content. And whatever going to come to him is going to come to him. Whatever is decreed for him, he's happy with it. And alhamdulillah, he lives a much more beautiful life. It's very important to recognize that having material good, having dunya, does not mean that Allah loves you. This is something that is so difficult for us to understand. Because most of us, we think if I'm doing well financially, Allah loves me. And the one who's not doing so well, he, um, maybe Allah hates him. Maybe he's done a lot of sins. That's not always the case. Subhanallah! Remember this hadith that Nurman ibn Bashir he says, "Alashtum fi sharabin nabiyakum, sallallahu alayhi Wama min ma bihi batnahu." That the Prophet, that, that uh, Nurman ibn Bashir, he says, "Don't you eat and drink according to your heart's desire? Don't you eat and drink as much as you want? Whereas I saw that your prophets, sallallahu alayhi he's talking about the Messenger of Allah, At times, he could not find even a small amount of of dates which could fill his belly. So if the best of creation, the Prophet there were times that he was so poor that he couldn't even get enough to eat to fill the belly. What does that say? Does that mean that Allah Ta'ala was not pleased with him? No, he's the best. He's he's the messenger of Allah So what this means is that, yes, his stomach was empty, but his heart was full of Iman and Qur'an. And what does it mean about us? If our stomachs are full, but our hearts are empty of Qur'an and Iman. Does that mean Allah Ta'ala loves us? Don't we know about Fir'aun? Don't we know that Subhanallah, he was wealthy? What about Qanun, uh, Qarun and so on and so forth? That uh, there's another hadith Wa yaqra'u al One time, the narrator, he says, I came to the messenger of Allah sallam, and he was reciting al-haakum This ayah where Allah says that collecting things, abundance is diverting you, is distracting you. And so the Prophet said in explanation, the son of Adam the human being, he says, مالي مالي. He says, my wealth, my wealth. <Staatanging away> that, oh, son of Adam, is there anything that belongs to you except you utilize it and becomes consumed, or which you wear and then it becomes worn out, or you give as charity and then you send it forward? In other words, what do you mean, my money, my money? everything you have is gonna go away. And I really think, subhanAllah, having young children is definitely a way to develop zuhud in this sense, why? Because every time you buy something and you bring it to your home, you always have to remember that young kids, they're gonna jump on it, they're gonna pull at it, they're gonna poke at it, and they're gonna rip it apart. So it gives you a sense of zuhud because you always remember, this is not gonna be forever. You buy a nice couch and you think, oh, it's going to last me my whole life. Then you remember, oh, wait, I have small kids. They're probably going to destroy this thing (laughs) pretty soon. So Alhamdulillah, it gives you a sense of zuhud. So anybody who feels like they don't have zuhud, try having some young kids, inshallah ta'ala, inshallah, it will develop your sense of zuhud. You'll be able to uh, lose things more uh, comfortably. Subhanallah, Ali ibn al-Talib, he always had a beautiful way with words. Such poetic language. And one time he was giving the definition of zuhud. Listen to this beautiful definition. This should be, you know, if you want to get some nice calligraphy in your home, maybe you should have this written down, inshallah ta'ala. He says, لَيْسَ تَمْلِكَ وَلَكِنَّ يَمْلِكَكَ Shayun. SubhanAllah, so simple, so beautiful. He says, "Zuhud isn't that you own nothing, it's that nothing owns you. So simple. It's not that you don't own anything, it's that the things don't own you. SubhanAllah, very, very beautiful words. And uh, also, it's very important that we shouldn't go around thinking this person is or isn't a Zahid. This is something of the heart. Abu Sulaiman, al-Darani, rahimahullah, says, That he says, don't testify that anybody is a Zahid, that somebody has zuhud. Why? Because this is a matter of the heart. You can't really know this for a fact. And so, inshaAllah, just some compute, uh, concluding a hadith that the Prophet ﷺ warned us about uh, being materialistic. In fact, SubhanAllah, it seems that this Ummah, the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this is our weakness. As the Prophet, the Prophet mentioned in an authentic hadith in uh, Tirmidhi, inna li kulli ummatin fitnatan wa ummati al-mal. That the Prophet said, indeed, there is a fitna for every Ummah, and the fitna of my Ummah is wealth. So it seems that SubhanAllah, when it comes to all the different fitan, when it comes to all the different tests and trials and tribulations, the thing that this ummah has the hardest time with is what? Cash. That the moment we get a little bit of status, a little bit of money, it gets to our heads and we go a little bit crazy. May Allah protect us. And so how do we overcome this fitnah that is such a big problem for, 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 for us? Well, always remember the akhirah. how much greater it is. Uh, how much better it is, and how the Prophet mentioned what? Wallahi, mad dunya fil akhirati illa mithlumaa yajhalu ahdukum isbaghuh hādhhi wa ashara yahya bi al-sabāba fil yami falyanẓur bima yarjʿ. That the Prophet says, by Allah, this world is so insignificant compared to the akhirah that if one of you should dip his finger, and even the narrator Yahya uh, he, he, he was pointing with his index, he said. It's as if one of you points, puts his finger into the ocean and then he should pull it out and see what sticks left to it. In other words, imagine being in front of, I don't know, the Pacific, the Atlantic and you're just looking out, thinking, how much, how much water? You dip your finger and you look at the water. You look at the little drip on your finger and you think to yourself, this versus that, this versus that, just, it's just a beautiful thing to do yourself. Just, just think about it, just keep staring at it. Stare at that, stare at this, stare at that. I think subhanAllahi akhira. What is Allah Ta'ala gonna teach me? What am I gonna learn? How am I gonna enjoy? What type of, you know, uh, you could say, quote-unquote, technology or games or interesting things or facts or knowledge or anything, everything. What type of a reality will it be that I can be in the akhirah, And I'm giving it all up for this dunya. May Allah Ta'ala give us a little bit of uh, uh, priorities. May Allah Ta'ala give us zuhud, so that our our, our 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 concern is the akhirah and not this dunya. Amin, Rabbil Alameen. So insha'Allah Ta'ala, with that we close and I'd love to open it up for comments and questions be Ibn the Ta'ala. alaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala. Wabarakatuh.